This is Shudders Inc. with Bruce Williams and Glyn Lavender. Hi, and welcome to episode 545 of Shudders Inc. We are finally back from the dead. This is Bruce Williams from ShuddersIncPodcast.com, and the man on the other end of the line being very quiet at the moment. He must be sick. Also not dead. <laughs> he must be sick. It's Glenn Lavender from creativephotoworkshops.com.au. How are you, Mr. Lavender? Yeah, no, never bigger, brighter, or better. <laughs> Excellent. Good to hear. Good to hear. You're over the road. No, well, mostly. Yeah, it's just sort of, <laughs> sort of coughing and sputtering a bit and stuff, but uh, yeah, still feeling like a crap in the mornings and the evenings and stuff like that and right yeah uh, it's really really been affecting my daytime naps too because yeah because yeah you could, <laughs> of you're blocked up and stuff so it keeps waking you up it's yeah very disappointing yeah. very disappointing well that's not good not good and how's things in your end of the world yeah pretty good pretty good frustratingly though the abc looks like they're just going to roll oh. over six month contract six month contract six month contract not not happy because well uh, you know it's it's frustrating because it means i can't really move house uh which means i'm locked into four hours of commuting every day which is Uh, you know which is kind of frustrating but uh at least i'm employed so bites but other than that um things are good since we spoke last i did my uh photo shoots uh with uh miss raina hazel that was good oh yeah did the uh, the V8 supercars at Newcastle. That was fun. Yeah. Bits and pieces going on. So tell us about your shoot. Yeah, okay. So I got us a two-bedroom apartment uh, halfway between where she lives and where I live. And uh, her boyfriend... Well, you moved came, in together came, already. <laughs> her boyfriend came down with her. And um, on the Friday... That's that one second bedroom for the boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So on the Friday night, we did a boudoir shoot in the in the apartment, and uh, I just took the softbox and a constant light that I use for my dark table videos, took that with me, and just shot everything with constant light rather than flash. Mm-hmm. Um, How'd that go? It was okay. Obviously not as powerful as my flash, so I had to shoot at a slightly higher ISO than I had. I don't give a damn about your light. I'm just thinking more about how did you go stylistically and shooting something out of your comfort zone and yeah. how did you go with coming up with ideas to make something work and what was your collaboration like? Did she uh, be more experienced? Was she more experienced at that than you were or was it her first time too? I, Tell me the deets. I think she'd probably done a little bit of that sort of photography before uh, so she had a couple of ideas which we employed. I had a few ideas which I employed, and whose were better? Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, hers. <laughs> okay, but listen, of, of the keeper photos you've got from that session, yep. what's the ratio, hers versus yours? Probably, which ones probably, do you like probably, the most? Probably 50-50. I okay. I, uh, I think I liked some of hers uh, more than some of mine, and some of mine I I I liked, you know it was it was yeah probably a fifty fifty mix. And you liked it because you got the execution of your of your concept uh, came out well. Yeah, 
So you, you had an idea, you you sort of thought it through, and you, know, you put it into place, and the photo kind of worked, and it looked kind of like you hoped it would. Yep. Awesome. And That's then, good. Yeah, and then yeah, did did some yeah, shot them in uh, RAW plus JPEG for the black and white look. So I, I was seeing yeah. black and white JPEGs on the back of the camera. Yeah. But, you know, once I got home, I had color RAW files to work with, uh, but still processed them as black and white. Uh, once yeah, I got that's home. A good, so, so, always a way I, whenever I did yeah, nude workshops, I always made people do exactly that as well. Yeah. Because um, it's much easier to to see black and white than visualise the black and white. Yeah. Uh, can, I, can I ask you, when it came to the lighting of the shots, yep. I know there's the, the big problem with concert lighting is they're not powerful. Yeah. But more, uh, you, ha- you had pre-visualised shots that you wanted to do, so you would have had some thoughts about what kind of lighting, I imagine. With the shots that she envisioned, which do you find those easy to light or difficult to light? Because she had to sort of think that up on the spot. Well, because you know, I made that decision before I left home. Obviously, that I was only taking the one light. I wasn't going to shoot yeah. with flash as well. So it meant a lot of side lighting or overhead lighting. You know, for everything. Yeah. So with the poses that she presented to me that you know weren't things i'd thought of it was a case of okay yeah i like the pose what's the best way to make the light work with that so mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. some of the time it was okay just hold that pose while i reposition light you know and it would just and the be... advantage of constant light of course is you can see what it's doing exactly exactly which yeah. was exactly why i decided to go that yeah. route rather than to take uh, it's a great flash. way to learn as long as you remember where you put the lights for future reference so you can you can replicate that with flash yeah it's a great way to learn lighting is constant yeah. lighting it really yeah, yeah, yeah so it doesn't matter if you have to shoot with higher eyes so it doesn't matter if yeah the images aren't quite as good if you're using it as a learning lesson for learning lighting that's all that really matters is its position i guess isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. So um, so that was good. That was the Friday night. And then uh, the Saturday morning, we headed down to uh, a beach called Wreck Beach, which turned out it was quite a, a, a trek to get to it. Not in terms of distance, but in terms of grade. No. You had to be quite the mountain goat to get there, which actually worked out really in our favour because we got to like where we parked our car was probably only two, three hundred metres from the beach uh, and you had to walk through a bush track. And we got there probably 45 minutes before sunup. Yeah. By the time we got down to the beach, we had probably 20 minutes before sunup. So the first few shots that I got were with, you know, very soft ambient light uh, yeah. and then once the sun came up we were we were blessed we got a an uninterrupted you know horizon so we got nice clean sunlight over the horizon yeah. uh, at around 10 to 7 in the morning i'd taken my big uh, reflector with me because i knew her boyfriend was coming along so i said your reflector bitch for the day <laughs> so uh, he was he was quite happy to to do that and to help out so uh, i was able to use the reflector to fill in some shadows once we'd got you know stronger light coming straight off the sun and overall i was really happy with the way the fine art nude stuff on the beach came out i was really happy with it so did, did yeah. what were your struggles 
What was hard? What didn't work the way you thought it would work? What didn't look good the way you thought it would look good? Probably the, the the suggestions you made to shoot with the wide-angle lens after I'd done the 70 to 200 stuff, mm-hmm. that was probably the stuff I struggled with the most, just getting... Mm-hmm. As you know, the, the wide-angle lens will distort, you know, mm-hmm. human features, you know, so it was trying to work those kinds of angles and try and you know, not make it look like a clown, you know, <laughs> with oversized feet or oversized hands and things like that. So that was probably the the trickiest part of it. All right. that's, to me, that's where the best learning is, though. If it's hard and you manage to overcome things, yep. then, yeah. Because, yeah, frankly, you put a 70 to 200 on, yep. it's all pretty easy. Yep. You know, yeah. Yep. lean someone against a rock and take a photo, it's, it's not... There's not a challenge. Not, not rocket science, yeah. There's not a challenge, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, or someone walking down the beach or someone standing in a park or, you know, 70 to 200, it's a very forgiving lens yep. for taking photos. It, 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 it yeah, can, yep. yeah. I said the way it isolates backgrounds as well can make photos look better because of the lack of distractions in the shot. So yeah. it's, a, it's a very different world when you have to... So I always say that all, all elements in photos are words. Okay, so every element, every everything you could sky, building, tree, rock, oh, yep. every element is a word. Okay, yep. the more words you have in in uh, a story, the harder it is to make that story make sense. Yeah, yep. to people who and the less words you have, the easier it is for people to understand. So a seventy two hundred makes it's like writing children's books. Yep, you know you only need four words for the entire book. The, the caterpillar <laughs> ate this. The caterpillar ate that. Yeah. The caterpillar that was full, you know. Yeah. That's that's kind of pretty simple. But most people's going to be able to manage that. That's what it's, that's what a seventy to two hundred kind of does to the world. It eliminates a lot of words. Yeah, keeps it very simple, and it's easy to only then work with maybe the one, two, or three elements that are in a shot. Yeah, you know? nice. When you put when you put on a twenty four mil lens, yeah, you've got a thousand words to work with. Yeah, or a hundred words to work with. How do you make coherent sense of all those things? You know, mm. why, why is that sign in the background? What does that got to do with the photo? It's got nothing to do with the photo. Or why is it there? Yeah. You know, why is that? What's that? The, all, all these elements are in the shot, and it makes it a lot harder to compose something that that is cohesive as an image. Yeah, it's okay to a, a big grassy field at sunset with a nice sky because it's just grass, sky. I mean, that's it. You've got three elements again yeah. besides the subject, grass, sky, and sun. Yeah. yeah, but you said you're down the beach, you've got a whole bunch of rocks, you've got sky, you've got trees, you've got water, you've got sand, you've got yeah, other crud that's bound to be around. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it does make it a lot more. So to, to, make the, to me, to make those shots work, when they do work, there's a quite a good sense of achievement because... It's freaking hard to do. And then you've got all the added things about elongation and all that kind of stuff, which which that's that's regardless of or irregardless of <laughs> of, um, of all the other stuff you've got to contend with. You know? yeah. So, 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 yeah. And then so sometimes they give you the photos you like the most because you, you really had to strive to make something happen. Yeah. And if you made it work, yeah, you feel a sense of achievement. So it's pretty good. Yeah. So it's always a good challenge to do when you're taking photos is to try something that's opposite. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and and I congratulated myself on making the decision to take with me a couple of walkie-talkies because yeah. that that worked out to be really handy because I could give her one, and and she could just hide it 
you know, behind the rocks or weird, Bruce. behind. <laughs> oh, <that's weird. laughs> and, yeah, uh, you know, and if I was shooting at 200 mil from, you know, 50 yeah. or 70 meters away, uh, I can yeah. simply jump on the walkie talkie and go, yeah, just, you know, yeah, break up one, two. It's, it's big yeah. bad boy photo guy here. <laughs> yeah. 10 4, good buddy. Yeah, that's, that it. that's exactly yeah. how it was. Echo Whiskey Foxtrot. <laughs> <laughs> More like whiskey tango foxtrot. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's what she's thinking, dude. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, uh, oh, well, good stuff. Yeah, well, that sounds. Uh, I, 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 I saw a couple of your photos. I think you sent, uh, sent me a, yep. a, a bunch. Yep. And the one that you really liked the most, I think, was the one of the car. Was it in the car? Oh, no, no. That was actually just on the uh, sofa in the. In the sofa, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, that, that was a very good emotive shot, wasn't it? You know? I liked it. Yeah, it's one of her ideas, was it? It was. <laughs> 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 I know. I know. Um, that's so mean. Uh, but yeah, that, and and look, the beach shots I saw, mm-hmm. all good, serviceable stuff. I mean, the light wasn't particularly interesting, but yeah, you get okay. what you get. You don't yeah. get upset. Yeah, you know, you're working with. What nature gives you on any given day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think there was any particularly fabulous body positioning stuff or you know, stuff there where utilizing the natural shapes of the environment to blend the body in with was overly interesting. But that could be the environment. You don't necessarily get an interesting environment, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I find the best places to shoot that sort of stuff is stuff where there's a lot of erosion. Oh, okay. Because erosion produces lots of shape. Right. Yeah, and lots of unusual shapes and lots of you know, you know, patterns and all sorts of stuff. So yep. if, you, if you're if you shooting an area where the rocks are... You know, say, say, say if you're shooting somewhere there's sandstone, sandstone erodes really easy, you get lots of shape. Right. Yeah, you get lots of curvature and, yep. and the wind will shape stuff and the water will shape stuff. If you shoot somewhere where the rock's bloody hard, yeah. you know, it <laughs> takes a fair bit to make it, to make it interesting. You know, yeah. the, the rocks themselves may not be particularly dramatic you know? yeah granite can be good because you get the, the round shapes and stuff right but you don't necessarily get a lot of other interesting shapes you know? right so, interesting so yeah so it's just simply having rock it doesn't it, it's like anything okay i've got three locations i can shoot with different types of rock what are those rocks doing what do they look like and what do they look like at that time of day at that time of year mm-hmm yeah, because, you know, it's like if you have a different angle, a different time of year, sure. you have a different shadow, it can be completely different again. So yep. uh, is, is this location better over day, uh, middle of the day, beginning of the day or end of the day? Yeah, because once again, all that shadow into play makes a huge difference. It's amazing how much goes into photography, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's just a, a simple photo shoot <laughs> Definitely. to make stuff happen. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, good yeah. on you for getting out and doing it, dude. Yeah, thank I you. Applaud, I applaud you for it. Okay? Yeah. And I, I, I must say, I'm really pleased you didn't pull out the Red Riding Hood, make a way of that as well. So <laughs> put kudos there too, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <dear. laughs> so, yeah, so that's, that's my last month. Since 2005, Shutters Inc. has been a labour of love. But beyond the time required to produce it, there is also a financial commitment. If you find value in the podcast and would like to help keep the servers running, hit up the Patreon link, which is in the show notes. Even a couple of dollars a month will help. Much appreciated. Now, back to the podcast. I, I, I sort of pop up on Facebook, and there, there is a, 
the first thing I came across was the Knox Photographic Society. Right. The big bold banner saying basic photo tasks cancelled. And the, the and the thing due to an unprecedented underwhelming response the basic <laughs> photography class for 2023 has been cancelled right that's pretty sad isn't it you know this this is a, a mob that's been going since 1974 right you know you think they've been running classes for a lot very long time okay so I wonder, so so what i was trying to what is that because there's not new people joining the club is it the people are interested in joining photographic clubs so people really know everything I just thought it was an interesting thing. Once again, the the photography struggling to to be successful. I don't know. Yeah, to to create enough interest. But yeah, yeah, that was that's just popped up whilst I was. I wonder if the the massive explosion in throwaway photography that has been you know caused by social media has that perhaps dulled people's perception of how good photography can be and therefore reduced interest in the medium? I don't know, but if you're in a photographic society, if you're a, part, a member of a club, you'd think you'd have, yeah. you know, some 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 passion for it, you would have thought. Yeah. yeah. I would have thought. Yeah. Uh, I've, just lo- I've just lost your face and I still can't find you. So Are you I'm... still recording, though? I'm still recording. I just don't have your head <laughs> to look at. <laughs> Yeah, I have to listen to your dulcet tones and not see your beautiful face. Right. Yeah, so that's And speaking of other photography stuff on my front, uh, yes. Kath, Kath and I are now planning our Ooh, next yes. overseas adventure, uh, which will jaunt. be three weeks in uh, Alaska and Canada in September of this year. Blame Canada, blame Canada. Yeah, good song, though. I don't know that song. South Park. Right, okay. Yes, yes. Of course. So, yeah, so looking forward to that. Okay, so so, so um, you're going, what, September, October? September. First three weeks of September. Okay. And Vancouver first? So we fly into Vancouver, just have a six-hour stopover, and then jump back on a plane from Vancouver to Anchorage. We wanted to get up to uh, Alaska promptly because... It's the tail end of some... Well, actually, it's not. It's actually the beginning of their fall. Yeah. And as you get into mid-September, a lot of the tours and general touristy stuff starts to close down for the winter. And Sounds so like we, a good time to go there then, Bruce. Yeah, so we thought yeah, well, we yeah, better get there. Why did you choose this time of year? Just that you have no choice, it's the only time of year you can go? No, no, or? no. Look, given the choice, I'd go in the winter. Yeah. But Kath was not yeah. open to Try that to idea. Try bears in caves but, to see if it <laughs> take photos of them asleep. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, but... but in terms of the the Northern Lights, your your peak periods oh, are Northern actually Lights. around the equinoxes. So March and September are sort of the peak periods for auroral Depends activity. Depends where in the eleven year cycle of the sun you're at. Though, well, Bruce. there's that too. Yeah. Kind of wishing I was there last weekend. No, oh, no, pretty amazing, wasn't wow. it? March twenty third. Just amazing. But anyway, so that's the plan: is to to get up there whilst there are still some of the tourists 
you know, type tours you, and you things. You know, you could running. send your Aurora Australis from your place like, on March 23rd. <laughs> you didn't have to get to Alaska. You could just turn out your back door and take photos. Yeah, yeah. It was everywhere so, in Australia that, on that night. It was huge. Phenomenal. Huge photos. I know. So, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, so planning that at the moment. Went and bought myself two new 64 gig uh, memory cards. Oof. So, got some more. That's a $60 investment. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That's <laughs> crazy, isn't it? It <laughs> is. It is crazy. But, um, uh, okay, so, so you arrive in Vancouver, go straight up to Alaska. Yep. Uh, what do you do? And, and uh, you go to Katmai? Where, where do you, where, we, where you... We, we land in Anchorage on the Saturday, and then on the Sunday we... <laughs> so we started looking for... You know the tours where you can go mushing behind, you know, the sleds and whatever, of course. right? Yeah, and works perfect in the middle of uh, middle of summer. Yeah. yeah. So you know what they do? They put you in a four wheeled ATV and have the dogs pull you across Track. dirt tracks. And it's like, no, that is not what we want to do. So what we're doing on the Sunday <laughs> is jumping in a helicopter and being uh. flown out onto a glacier where we will actually get to go mushing over the snow with the dogs. So do that for an hour. Uh, there's only a small glacier, so it goes 100 feet in there. <laughs> I'd stop before falling off the ends. <laughs> there you go. It's, it's more an iceberg than a glacier. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the Sunday. Oh, and then I think it's the next day we jump in a, on the train into the gold class dome car and we oh, do yeah, a 12 yeah, yeah. hour trip up to Fairbanks. We, uh, we then do a, a 14 and a half hour excursion, which leaves at one in the afternoon, <laughs> where you fly up to the Arctic Circle to a town called yeah. Coldfoot, and then yeah. you drive back to Fairbanks, oh, which gosh. is about a six or seven hour journey, but along the way, because by now you're into night time, Whenever they get views of the Northern Lights, they will basically just pull up anywhere on the side of the road and give you the opportunity to stop and take photos of the Northern Lights. So you have this extended drive back to Fairbanks where you just occasionally just pull over and, you know, get if to take some... Happen, exactly. Otherwise, it's just a drive through the Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Obviously, there is always that the risk. Risks and so, joys of yeah, travel. Exactly. Hey? Exactly. So, uh, looking forward to that. Then we get back to Fairbanks. We, I think we've got a spare day in Fairbanks. Then we hop back on the train down to Denali National Park. With Denali National Park, you can only, if, if you've got your own vehicle, you can only drive about. I think it's like two miles or five miles into the park. Hmm. Beyond that, you can only go further into the park as part of a guided tour. Yeah. So we are doing a, a guided bus tour into the national park for a day. Then we're jumping on the train again and going to Talkeetna, which is this little village which was the basically the set for the show Northern Exposure. Oh, yeah. And apparently it's really photogenic. Kath said she would she'd been looking at photos of Talkeetna and she said, yeah, it just looks like you're on a, a TV set or a movie set. So that should be pretty cool. So we're there for two Sounds nights. Good. Then back on the train, back down to Anchorage, and then through to Whittier, which is the 
a little village at the coast where the cruise ships pull in and depart from. And we're jumping on a little, you know, sort of 150 person capacity catamaran type thing that does a tour around 26 of the glaciers where you'll get to see orcas and sea lions and possibly whales and you know whatever other wildlife there happens to be uh so that's like yeah (laughs) yeah six hour little boat trip there then back to Whittier, spend the night. Is it? 26 glaciers in six hours. It's, yes. You, know, you think about that, that's, that's what, that's what uh, four an hour? It's moving. It's so moving. 15 minutes. So, so yeah, you're running over those orcas. <laughs> you're, bang, that was an orca. Bang, that was an orca. <laughs> Cut another baby seal. There we go. <laughs> sort of uh, that's your toad behind the boat. It's the only way you get to see him because it's so fast. <laughs> Uh, so then back to Lydia, spend the night, and then the following day we hop on the Majestic Princess for a seven-night cruise down the Inland Passage back to Vancouver, nice. and then back on the plane and home. That'd be the Inside Passage more than the Inland Passage, wouldn't it? Was that what I, did I say? Inland. In, well, did I say Inland? Yeah, Inland. So inside. Tend not to go very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 It's a lovely cruise. We strap the boat to the back of a big truck. We drive it down. <laughs> Put the truck on the train. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Had trouble getting funny, through the it? tunnels. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, so that's, that's, that's great. And then, and then you're in Vancouver for a few days, hopefully? I think just a, a day oh, in Vancouver. It's one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Is it? Oh, yeah, it's a gorgeous city. So live there. It's a gorgeous city. Right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Oh, well. It is what it is. That's yeah. it. It's it's a case of just trying to squeeze in too much. Of course, in too little yeah. time. Can't like, do so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. And if your priority is Alaska, there's no point. Yeah, yeah. wasting time doing other cool stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, fabulous, dude. Have yes. Yes. Anyway, and, and, sorry. But, and, and just and you're gonna you're gonna obviously take camera gear and yep. tripods and stuff. Now I'm I'm debating whether to you know call in friendships through mr lavender inc um as to borrowing a lens from tamron but the problem is tamron made this great 150 to 600 and made it in every freaking mount except e-mount Could have 150 to 500 yeah yeah no or i can reach out to sigma with whom i have no contact at the moment and say hey can i borrow one of your 150 to 600s because they do make it in an e-mount so, don't know yet. And, and they'd loan it to you. Why? I don't you know. You drop my name. I could drop ask. my name, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I could I could, I could connect you with a guy, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's big bit heavier too, though, remember? You know, that's a, and probably nowhere near as good. <laughs> awesome. I think 150 to 500, Tamron's got some pretty good wraps on itself, I'm Has told. It? Okay. I'm told. I've never used it, but, yeah. I'll have a look at the specs and see what the weight difference is because that that will come into play. Yeah. Um, did you, did, did, I, I didn't hear you say. Did you say float plane? No. No, you're not doing. I think the helicopter. Helicopter will have weight restrictions, so yep. you will have some issues there. But it's only a, a day trip, so you just. But it's only your two trip. of us plus the pilot. Yeah, our big pilot. He could be. He could be. He could be. three hundred and fifty pounds. I don't know him that well so, yet. <laughs> He could be 350 pounds. He lives your 14 pounds. Okay, you guys can come on, but you're going to restrict your clothing? (laughs) Can't wear a hat? 
<laughs> Take batteries out of any devices. Yeah, float planes that yeah balance and weight yeah. restrictions, all that sort of stuff. If you get a chance to get in the float plane, you should try and yeah squeeze that in. They're, they're a hell of a lot of fun, right? And a very very different experience. Yeah, okay. You could do you could do that actually in in your in your one day in Vancouver. Okay. You could do a, a, a extend the harbour in the in the, the harbour there in downtown Vancouver. The, the, that's where the float planes take off from, and they can fly up around Banff, uh, not oh, around right. Banff, up around uh, Whistler, Whistler Blackcomb, up around the snow resorts, and just do a nice little uh, one hour circle flight, and you'll get a, a pretty cool experience. Some incredible mountains. Yeah, right. Yeah, and beautiful, beautiful scene. You've got the islands there, and you'll see a whole you know, different perspective of stuff. So yeah. that could be a little something if you look for something to do on the day. That okay. Adds adds visually, you know, have a look at a, a little float and, and a great experience to take off from the harbour there in the float plane and yeah. you know, come back in and land on it. So, but yeah. and that's a kind of that's kind of a, an Alaska Canada kind of experience, the float plane. So sure, we're, we're having a think about mm. anyway. Okay, yeah, all right. That's yeah. A so, with. back to your uh, list. What have you got? So I'm, I'm doing a talk this Thursday. Too late for anyone who, who wants to uh, join in now for Hunt's photo in Massachusetts. Okay. On travel photography, and uh, and the talk will be available you know, to purchase and download on their website going forward. If anyone uh, is interested in that, and I've got a print by Tamron Japan again this week for another secret project. So that's kind of fun. It's something. I don't know what it is yet, what the lens is, but I'll be shooting for a new lens in the upcoming week. Somebody might even be coming up to Sydney actually for it. So oh. um, if I do, I'll I'll I'll, I'll let you know because yeah. I need a couch to crash up. No, I mean. I, <laughs> <laughs> you can catch up and you show me show me some places today. I need to be mostly shooting city stuff. Oh, cityscape, city city environments, and I figured I might shoot a city that people might actually recognise because yeah. you know, when you photograph Melbourne, you know, <laughs> it's not as as recognisable to the that's, but anything. the lanes are noticeable and and you know identifiable <laughs> yeah, as Melbourne. Yeah, but, but the problem the problem is you can't shoot graffiti. Yeah. For the images, so you can't shoot major corporation signage. Yeah, so it's pretty hard stuff to shoot in the city without signage, yep. people's faces, yeah, and graffiti. That kind of rules out Melbourne completely, you know. So that's, that's a, yeah. But at least the Opera House, yeah, you do the Opera House, you do Luna Park, yep. you do the, the little manly bathing thing. Yeah, you've yep. you've got three shots pretty much in the back. Thanks, straight away. If you get some decent lights, I'll let you know about that. That might be the next four to six weeks. There's a bridge that's not too bad to shoot as well. Apparently not too not, not too unpopular. That's yeah. reasonably recognisable. So yeah. yeah, so they might so I might be popping up for a couple of days to do that. Awesome. Yeah. Anyway, um, D preview or DP review or something yes. like that. It's the end of the world as they know it. Yeah. So what happened? Yeah. I haven't actually read. Up on well, the story, I saw it. Basically, it's just Amazon cost cutting. Oh, are they owned by Amazon? Yeah, Amazon bought them in two thousand and seven. Right. And as people said, uh, it's always been confusing as to why they want to own a photographic review website. Yeah, it's not like they ever. And I'm you know, reading some stuff. It's not like they ever really utilised the D preview resources on oh. their own Amazon sales site because, you know, what they could have done is anywhere with this camera stuff, they could have linked yeah. Yeah, articles, reviews. Yeah, that's not just amateur reviews, but actually something, yeah, with great detail. And they never did that. Pretty much all it really was is they put a bunch of affiliate uh, links on the deep review site to go and buy the stuff. 
So, um, here's the thing. It's only got 11 staff, so it's not mega uh, expensive thing, but it's an Amazon. But at that time, they announced they, they were cu- cutting 18,000 jobs Wow! at Amazon. And then that was in January. And then in March, they've announced another 9,000 jobs. Jeez. So 27,000 jobs going. Because, yeah, poor Jeff. I mean, he is struggling. Oh, yeah, you can see <laughs> why, yeah. And, but here's the thing, but it looks like possibly... It's so uh, April tenth. Uh, there'll be no new content added. It'll be locked, and then a short time later, it may just be deleted. What? So it won't even be up there as a resource to access at any point. There won't be an archived version of the site. It'll just be com- yeah, deleted. And well, the Wayback Machine will have it. Well, maybe, but it's a huge, huge, huge amount of content. Yeah. And the reason being is the storage. The storage of that is is, is a cost yep. they want to eliminate. Uh, and the thing is, it's on Amazon's own servers and their own, their own. Yeah. So it's not like they're not making money out of those things as well, anyway. So yeah, yep. by the looks of it, it's it's going to be gonski uh, wow. uh, at this stage, anyway. It is deleted completely, which is uh, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. So it was what, uh, 25 years that we're going for. So. But, you know, <clears throat> we saw the demise of in-person shows like PMA shows and, and all that sort of stuff. Now the review sites, now, now, where do people go for reviews these days? Do they watch a YouTube video? Probably. Do they go to, you know, if you're a, um, a camera manufacturer, is it not better to send out a lens or whatever to a, a couple of dozen youtube people to review and maybe get more more traction than a deep preview yeah i don't know so yeah could could be the just a shift in all that whole world or they just can't get, be asked running it anymore and yeah yeah wow. so that, uh, I, yeah. I, I i'm disappointed about that i really am yeah and oh, particularly yeah, that's half of that content dude particularly <laughs> yeah. but particularly for the pettiness of it like you can't tell me that that's a huge dent on Amazon's bottom yeah. line, you know? Yeah. And for it, the yeah. service that it provides for the entire photographic community worldwide, or at least the English-speaking photographic community, although I would imagine even if you spoke another language, you could have your web browser translate the site into your local yeah. language anyway. So, you know, it's just, yeah. And it's, then it's it translates just... to translate the translation. <laughs> that's it. It's just sad <laughs> to see it go. It really is. Well, it's interesting that, that Bezos bought the Wall Street Journal X amount of years ago. Right. Because it was an institution that he felt was worth saving. <laughs> not not to make money, but to, to, to save something that was an important institution in the world of media. Yeah. But he obviously doesn't feel the same thing about the preview. You know? No. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. It's gone. It's gone. Ski- so Peter Pixel, he's mm-hmm. going to, old Peter, yep. he's going to... Uh, he doesn't do much in the way of reviews, Peter, so maybe Peter's going to step up and start doing more reviews and take over some of that uh, yep. some of that niche market. Who knows? Who knows? There's no money in it for Amazon. Why would there be money in it for them? Don't know. Anyway, well, maybe- I did see... Now, I'm, I'm going to get on to interesting stuff now because yeah. um, that's it. It's boring. So I went to Peter Pixel because I wasn't going to support that Bezos man anymore. Yep. So Pete, Peter was pointing out to me that uh, some guy's got the time-lapse photographs of the NASA, the, the, the Apollo astronauts photographing the Earth rise over the moon. Right. And he's got, he's sourced the audio of them talking 
about shooting it whilst they were shooting or what lens should we use what kind of aperture what sort of shutter speed and put the two together okay. so you can watch this this time lapse of the earth earth rising over this iconic photo and they're talking about I think we should use the big lens what do you reckon about 255.6 or f11 <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of it's kind of um I don't know it's nerdy funny you know <laughs> to, to, to hear it's, it's so it's so um any photography jawed out with a few people that shoot something new. It's the same conversation you hear anyway, you know. So I thought that was quite, that was kind of funny. Nice. And, and it's, and it's less see... than two minutes in length, people. So go and have a exactly. listen. Exactly. So even I can yeah. listen to that. I watched half of it, Bruce. <laughs> right. uh, now I did see. Now I, I didn't. I didn't bother copying the article, but I just caught, caught this one little 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 uh, sentence that really interests me. That the, the new Canon R three or mm. Canon R three can now remember specific faces. So it's got in its. It's, it's going to store in its internal memory face recognition. What? of specific faces and therefore when one of those specific faces in, is in a shot the camera will recognize that and emphasize focus on the specific face wow rather than uh, it'll be preferentially detected and, and tracked basically wow. wow for a specific face so that's that's pretty interesting isn't it yeah we can see where that kind of heading you know imagine like yeah, sports photography. Yeah, you you, yeah. you you need to you need to track just the same bolt. He's, he's your man, and your camera's out of the five or six people running alongside him. It's only saying focus on his face, yeah, not just any old face or any old zone. Yep. So, uh, yeah, for me, for yeah, for political stuff. I was for, just about to say, and for political reporters, that would be brilliant. Wedding photographers. Yep. Uh, bride and groom, bang, it's going to lock in on them. Yeah, you know? I don't know how you pre-program it, but it's going to. It does show an interesting. It's a shift in the way cameras work, basically. Yeah. And be able to prioritise, as a, as a portrait photographer, be able to prioritise the subjects in your frame. Yep. It was almost like a throwaway kind of line, but I thought it was kind of interesting. What will be interesting is to see whether, if you're shooting in aperture priority, will it adjust your aperture to the point where you get, you know, just what is required in focus or well imagine if you're doing a bride and groom and they they shift depth uh mid shot yeah. it yeah. makes sense that if the camera can adjust it can adjust aperture to ensure depth of field's correct doesn't it it'd be great wouldn't it unless of course you you specifically don't want that yeah, you're after that yeah. you know, blurred groom in the background looking lecherously over the bride's shoulder kind of thing, whatever. Uh, not, I'm, I should be gender assuming. It could be the groom looking over the groom's shoulder. It could be the, the bride looking over the bride's shoulder. It could be um, uh, the non-binary looking over the other non-binary. Um, there's a, a thing on Facebook, there's a picture going around where there's like these couple of kids, these, these uh, assumed gendered female kids against some mirrors and it's, you're trying to say how many, how many I, assumed girls are in this particular image yeah. and um, it's one of those yeah schemes to get people just commenting I just put on, it's, it's how many girls are in this photo I just put on, I don't gender assume <laughs> yeah it's pretty simple isn't it yeah <laughs> I couldn't tell you how many. Uh, even if it, even if you told me exactly how many people were in the shot, I couldn't tell you how many of them were female, even if they look female. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to gender assume, dude. What else did I come? Levi's, the jeans people, yeah. uh, started using AI-generated models to increase diversity. Right. Now, as soon as I saw the headline, I thought, well, just shoot more different people. You know? Yeah. Just take photos of. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you don't need AI to have different-looking people. Just photograph 
someone who's not yeah, 13 pounds wet, you know, that, that she has some meat on the bones or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but then I, so I, read through, I actually read through the article, rather, just sort of became opinionated straight away, uh, and okay. it said, can potentially assist us in supplementing models and publishing images of our products on a range of body types more quickly. And that was the, that, yep. that was the salient point there, more quickly. Uh, so if they need to adjust and cheaper, I would imagine. I would imagine definitely cheaper, but but uh, uh, and but uh, but it says uh, a range of projects more while we coordinate photo shoots with live models and finalise website assets. So it allows them to get an image up and being used yeah. whilst they coordinate physical assets. Right. You know. Um, so that that I thought was was kind of interesting, just just because when we talk about well, how does AI start to impact photography and the working commercial photographers and so on? And then I came across this thing uh, that this uh, this modelling agency, uh, AI modelling agency, has opened its doors. Yeah. Uh, so no camera, <laughs> no photographer. AI modelling agency opens its virtual doors, and it says. Um, uh, it shows these photographs. That, that neither of these people exist, and you can hire them on such and such to yeah. wear wear whatever you want, and um, it's quite amazing. But the, but the, of course, the comments are on um, uh, were interesting. That somebody posted up there. The majority of the examples shown on Deep Agency, which is the name of the web uh, name of the agency, the hands and teeth of the AI models are hidden, and apparently it's because those are the things that AI has the most trouble with. Yeah. yeah. And so and someone commented, well, from now on, if I don't see hands or teeth in the photo, I'll assume the person in said photo doesn't exist, which I thought yeah. was, was kind of interesting too. Wow. And then, just following from that, I came across this organisation called headshotpro.com. Right. And basically, you're just going to have some iPhone snapshots of yourself. And they recommend like you know, a couple of head and shoulders, a couple of profile, a couple of full body ones. Don't have to be anything any good. And you upload them, and they will give you professional headshots all done in AI. They'll AI generate you yeah, with multiple <laughs> backgrounds, multiple clothing, <laughs> multiple lighting, multiple for twenty nine bucks for one hundred and twenty shots. What in two hours? And they'll give you, they'll give you they'll give you three unique locations, one hundred and twenty headshots. Two-hour turnaround, indistinguishable from real photos. That is crazy. Bang. Yeah. Headshot Pro. I'm really starting to understand why uh, one of the podcasts I listen to is This Week in Tech. And I'm really starting to appreciate why I keep hearing them talk about a universal basic income, which is what they are saying we are going to need something which guarantees everybody at least some minimum standard of being able to survive because mm. so many jobs are going to disappear. And what do people do when the the one thing you spent your whole life learning to do is suddenly, you know, the market completely disappears because it's all replaced by AI? So shoveling coal into a coal furnace <laughs> on a train. <laughs> yeah. What did they do? The knitting I needle person, know. the the person who made thimbles. I don't know. Yeah, we've been through this before, though, haven't we? Maybe, maybe the, not the, the same The guy who scale. went round and tapped on your window before there were <laughs> alarm clocks. <laughs> yeah, maybe but the Industrial Revolution created all the same issues, but maybe not on yeah. the same scale. Maybe, I don't know, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, uh, 
But it's it's this is interesting. Wow, that yeah? is scary stuff. Yeah, and twenty nine bucks, bang. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, whatever backgrounds you want, because you imagine, oh, I, I need something for a particular event. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. bang. You put in the logo of the event, and it, yep. it produces a whole range of of images that look like you're already at the already at the place, yes. and, and you can use that yeah. for your promotional stuff. Yeah, for wow. twenty nine bucks. Yeah, why would you even waste your time doing anything else? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I found that uh, I found that interesting as well. Wow. Yeah, all, all the stuff <laughs> I've gone through this week. So that's all I got. That is all I got. Paul Sutton sent me a whole bunch of stuff. Some of it uh, I have disregarded because it was DP review stuff. Uh, he did send me one from F-Stoppers. Is more gear making you less creative? No, don't be stupid. I want gear. <laughs> Buy more. <sighs> <sighs> Own it all. It's bloody simple, really. And then when you've got it all, get backups. <laughs> really simple. That's no. it. <laughs> I was just scrolling down this story. I haven't, I haven't read the story, but there's an image halfway down of a box. The guy with the umbrella. No, no, a cardboard oh, box. Oh, on a road <laughs> it's just a cardboard box on a road the road disappears into the distance there's a beautiful golden sunset and written on the cardboard box are the words foreground interest i love it <laughs> but see to me to me owning more gear if we if we want to go back to the, the it, making you less creative yeah Having to follow the rule of you must have four grand interest in your shot to make it interesting yeah. is worse than having more gear. <laughs> okay. So the whole point to me of that box is, oh, I've got to have something that's four grand interest. Yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> you just need to have an interesting photo. Yeah. It doesn't have to have interesting foreground, mid-ground. It just needs to be interesting. <laughs> There's nothing interesting about that road no. except for putting the box there. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I mean, the photo was not going to... It doesn't mean you could have had flowers there. The road, still, the photo still wouldn't have been interesting. You may have had yeah, an aardvark crossing the road. Well, I don't know, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's, it's like maybe it's more... Maybe it's more you know, your lack of ability to shoot. <laughs> Having more gear doesn't make you less creative. Having... Being less creative makes you less creative. Yeah. Because yeah. you only... The stuff's in the box. It's in the bag. It's not like you've got it all out and you're shooting with all, and the only, you've got the stuff. It's like, it's like playing golf. Yeah. You know, you look at you look at the scene in front of you. You go right three iron, mm-hmm. and that's how you piece of gear you pull out. You don't pull out fourteen lenses for that shot. <laughs> you pull out one lens for that shot. Or clubs. You assess. Yeah, yeah. yeah but you, you look at the scene. And you go, that's what I need. Yeah. And you pull it out. And if you're starting out, you pull it out and you put it. And go, oh yeah, that's not working. Or oh, that's okay, but then you try something different. Yeah. What would it be like if it did a wider? What would it be like if it did a bigger? Now, if you had less gear, you couldn't do that. True. True. Yeah, you, you're stuck with your 20, 24 to 70, and that's the only way you ever see the world. Because having the, I mean, I haven't read the article, but that's, to me, more gear isn't the issue. Yeah, I think you should have more gear. It's like golfers don't play with one club. Yeah. You know, okay. a, a handyman doesn't just have a hammer. Yeah, you know, we, we need tools that do specific jobs yep. if you don't 
unclogged drains, you probably don't need a plunger. Yeah. You know? If you don't photograph bees bums, you probably don't need a macro lens. So, so therein is the point. It comes down to whether or not you actually use the gear that you've bought. That's more if like you, it, If you're it? just collecting yeah. crap and not actually putting it to use, then For sure. then it is a waste. But that's... but. But wouldn't it be also so that if I've got this new gear, I might be tempted to go out and try and do stuff. Therefore, you're going to have to be more creative. Sure. If you actually want to use it, you've lusted after this piece of kit, yep. so you've gone and bought it, yep. and you're not just going to go put it in the cupboard because yep. you've, oh, now I've got to, I'll go for the next thing. Yep. Yeah. That's gear acquisition. That's yep. not gear use. Exactly. Yeah. So as soon as you get that new piece of kit, hopefully it inspires you to go out and drive and be creative. Yeah. So more gear could lead to, the opposite could be more gear makes you more creative. Yeah. Because the acquisition of that gear makes you want to go and try and do something different. Yep. There was a thing I did for a while where I was photographing with three flashes mm-hmm. with a red, green, and blue um, uh, filter on each on each flash, and then cross, crossing yes. the beams of all the of all the lights yep. to create cyan, magenta, yellow shadow backdrops and white light on the subject. Now you couldn't do that if you had one yep. flash. So buying no. more gear creates the opportunity to to experiment with that type of uh, of image, which you could never have done otherwise, and maybe you never would have thought to have done otherwise without having the more gear to do it. Totally, yeah. Exactly. So, yep. yeah. Next story, photographer recreates his dad's old modelling pictures. Oh, yeah. Okay. There's there's certainly a resemblance between father and son. Oh, who's been looking? I'm trying to pull it up. Who's been looking? Dad or son, though? I yeah. don't know because I don't know whether. Oh, I don't know which one's which. Well, oh, I can tell straight away. Oh, the son's much handsomer. The, 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 but you don't know. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. The 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 younger looking dude might have been the dad taken fifty years ago. No. How do we know? I, I know. How do we I'm, know? I, I, don't know. No. I don't know. I haven't read the story. I'm just saying it could be either. Uh, the, well, so, but the, the guy on the right looks really old, right? Yes. So well, old as in in his fifties. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> if his dad was modelling in the eighties, I suppose that was forty years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, maybe he was, if he was that right. little, little, well, I don't know. Oh no, no, your dad is the old guy. And uh, but he's recreating his. Oh, I, he's recreating. They're the same guy. So it's him and himself. It's himself when he's young and himself when he's older. It's exactly oh. the same photo, but what his dad's like That's now. That's why there's a facial resemblance. Yeah, not just a familial <laughs> resemblance. It's actually the same face. It's not even AI. Um, <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's kind of fun, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's, dad's yeah. obviously kept himself a bit in shape, you know? And yep. uh, and go is his son shooting with an iPhone? I know he's shooting with a Canon, so I just saw him with a phone in his hand. Right. That's kind of a fun thing to do. Yeah, I, I should have absolutely. done that with my dad, except uh, he wasn't a model or good looking. <laughs> Two things that kind of really, really, you know, put a kibosh on the whole thing. And he's dead. That doesn't help either. Too late to do any of it. And the last one that Paul sent us, the only photos that we have of the surface of Venus were taken in the 80s. Isn't that crazy? That seems very crazy. But you see, this week they've announced that the first astronauts to go back to the moon, or to go around the moon anyway. Yes. So of an Artemis two, they've been announced. I did see that. Yep. Next year, though, it's a long way away. I don't want to wait that long. And there's a, and there's a Canadian amongst them. Yeah, is that right, eh? <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> can, can I recommend before you go to, before you go to Canada yeah. and Alaska, uh, watch the TV series um, Corner Gas. 
Corner Gas. Corner Gas and the Red Green Show. They're, they're two shows to, to really get into the culture of Canada and uh, and the great outdoors. There's a couple of shows there you really you, you really kind of yeah okay need to get into okay I will check them out yeah oh, you probably you could probably even watch uh, I suppose you could even watch uh, Northern Exposure again too because yeah as soon as you go to the village those those photos I said those photos of Venus are We're back um, to that. Uninter- okay. uninteresting aren't they I mean it's not, it's not a very interesting planet <laughs> no there's not there's not a lot there I'm rather amazed that they actually got photos of it that close up well they've landed on it obviously. Which is so. So why do they go there the one time of the eighties? Go, oh, this is boring. Let's not go here again. Yeah, that's forty odd years later. They're going. Have you seen what's there? <laughs> There's no point spending any money on that. According to this, they, the, the Soviets have sent two spacecraft there: Venera Nine and Venera Ten. Oh. Oh, and Venera Thirteen and Fourteen. There you go. You just thought after the first couple of guns, nothing here. You would think. What are they trying to learn? It's got, I don't um, know. The air pressure on Venus is more than 75 Earth atmospheres. How's that? And, but it's got the same gravitational force. Okay. It's interesting. Oh. Greenhouse effect is dominated by carbon dioxide. And they've got a, but they've got a similar amount of carbon dioxide in their atmosphere. How's that? But they've got no plants, oceans, or carbonate rock to help contain it. There yeah, you right. go. So the carbon dioxide has nowhere to go but the atmosphere. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, it's a dull planet. I mean, I don't, look, I've got to say, everything I've seen of Mars isn't really instant, or the moon. Yeah. We haven't yeah. been anywhere interesting yet, really, have we? If Venus doesn't instantly burn a spacecraft, it will surely crush it. The Venera 13 holds the honour of lasting the longest on Venus, surviving for an impressive 127 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, can, I think I know now why they don't go back. It's very expensive. Well, it's why they keep yeah. sending new ones. It's because... <laughs> I can't reuse the one they sent. Uh, How interesting, yeah, isn't it? It is very. God, you would have to think that there's a great challenge there. In? To send something that can survive in those deep sea diving stuff that withstands that in right. extreme pressures yeah. and doesn't. And, and, and I've got to say, it's probably more than 75 Earth atmospheres down. Um, I, I did see today they just photographed the world's deepest swimming fish so far discovered, eight, eight kilometres down. Wow. They found a fish swimming along. Uh, took a photo of it. So if you're eight kilometres down, I reckon you might be a bit more pressure than 75 Earth atmospheres. Uh, yes, because one atmosphere increases for every 33 feet you go down in the there water. There you go. Uh, yeah. Is it exponential? So at a hundred feet? No, I don't think so. Well, I'm, oh. well, maybe it is. Well. I mean, I I never dove particularly deep when I was diving. So did you go eight kilometres? No, mate, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't see that fish? You could, no, you could have taken the photo, Bruce. <laughs> I could have. <laughs> All right, mate. That'll have to do it for this one. Uh, good to catch up at last. <laughs> you too, mate. And I'll, I'll, I will talk to you soon and um, maybe catch up with you in Sydney soon, maybe, with a bit of luck. Yeah, absolutely. Let us know when you're coming up. Will do. Cool. All, right, all right, bye all. See ya. Toodle bob. You've been listening to Shutters Inc. For questions, comments and feedback, email theboys at shuttersincpodcast.com.